Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Life can seem random much of the time, but author Desmond Richardson writes in his new book, Not By Chance, By Choice, that life is made by our choices. Welcome, Desmond, to the Reader House Author Roundtable. Thank you for being here. I'm happy to be here. Now, can you tell us about your book, Not By Chance, By Choice? The book, really, I actually started writing the book when I was about 24, so I've kind of rewritten it a, a lot of times. And, you know, I just wanted people to know that, like, the choices you make will make you, you know, and just from my life experiences, I want to show people that sometimes we just put a lot of pressure on ourselves when we really don't need to, you know, and that's what the book is really about. Was there a particular group you were targeting with this? Uh, really everybody, you know, it's not a particular group because, you know, everything starts with choices, you know, anything you do in life, you know, the first thing you got to do is make a good choice, you know? So I think that anybody who's a human, you know, should purchase this book and they could learn something from it. Have you been published before or have you written before? No, this is the first book I've ever written. I just kind of wrote it a lot of times, but this is the first one. Congratulations, getting your first published work out there on shelves. How's it feel? It uh, feels pretty good, pretty nervous. Never had this before. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have issues while you were writing it with sort of like that inner editor constantly nagging you, or how smooth of a process was that? Uh, it was a very rough process. I don't even know how to explain it. It was as if I had to... I rewrote it four times. I have the old copy actually sitting in my room. So it was as if knowledge was coming to me so fast, and I had to keep re-editing, rewriting. And then with the publishing company, it was just a lot of work going back and forth to try to get it right. What advice would you give to aspiring authors that want to publish their book? Uh, just keep going, you know, and get you a good publishing company because that's really going to help. It's a lot of things that you really think you know that you don't know. I went to school for business and I thought I knew a lot of different things and how to navigate to do things myself. So just don't think to always do everything by yourself. So are you going to take this journey again? Are you thinking of writing another book? Uh, yes, I'm thinking of writing another book. I think I'm going to stick with the topic, probably not by choice, but I'm going to put under it or something like that, uh, religion versus law. Uh, because I gave a hint at the end of the book what's going to transpire in the next book. You know, I made it pretty brief and pretty short to try to give the author something else to look forward to. Is there anything significant you're going to do differently writing your second book that sort of you got from your first? Mm, I feel like the first book, I had to play the part as a naive boy, you know, who was living life by chance and trying to find out how to make a good choice. You know, but the next book is going to be me being stern in my decisions and actually showing more of my personality. You know, I don't feel like I really show my personality in that book. I just show just a naive boy trying to learn his way. What kinds of books do you read to keep yourself inspired? I really have written all types of books, but honestly, I've been so busy working that I haven't had time to read anything lately. 
I haven't probably read a book in a little bit now. <laughs> <laughs> Audiobooks are a great thing. Oh, man. And, you know, I kind of suck at listening. It's kind of <laughs> better for me to tone right in because I kind of doze off. Listening to stuff like that kind of makes me sleepy. Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> happens. <laughs> so do you have any final words that you'd like our listeners to know about Not By Chance, By Choice? Just, you know, grab a copy of the book and just tell me what you think. It's called Not By Chance, By Choice by Desmond Richardson. This is published by Fulton Books, and you can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and everywhere else you pick up your reading material. Well, Desmond, got to thank you for coming on the show tonight. It was great chatting with you. Thank you. I want to welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable author Jasmine Persaud. Her new book, My Inner Voice, encourages readers to show kindness. Thank you, Jasmine, for talking with me tonight. Okay, you're very welcome. Can you tell me about My Inner Voice? It's a book, really. It's about showing kindness, as you pointed out. And it's also for all ages because it's an easy read. You know, nothing that's kind of hard. So it goes for all ages. I mean, kids, I think you turn the pages, if it's the hardcover, you find the characters very likable. And what gave you the inspiration or the idea to write this book? Um, my real-life experience. Is this the first book you've written or published? Yes, it is. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. It's a big accomplishment. How does it feel now to be a published author with your work out there for the world? Oh, well, I hope it makes an impact. And also, it's a good feeling. And about how long were you working on this? Oh, this book. Um, actually, mm, it took over one year. What was the most challenging thing, would you say, about the publishing process, going through editing and revision, then choosing a cover, things like that? <laughs> um, the most challenging thing is that I'm not too savvy with the computer and I'm doing everything on my phone. Oh my gosh. You know, yes. And um, that was so challenging. I mean, their this writing is so tiny sometimes and I'm like, you know, I'm not so good with that. So that part of it was challenging, yes. Would you have any advice for aspiring authors that want to write and publish a book as well? Well, what I would say to them is Share your, your, your experience, you know, share it because it may be meaningful to some. Mm -hmm. uh, looking down the road, are you thinking of writing another book? No, not at this point. Now, what kinds of things do you read to keep yourself inspired or educated? Well, I read the news, current news. I try to keep abreast of what is going on around me. Would you have any final words for our listeners about My Inner Voice? Oh, yes. Please get a copy, whether it's uh, digital, and have a nice read. Enjoy and share. Share the meaning and the message. This is published by Christian Faith Publishing. It's called My Inner Voice by Jasmine Persaud. And you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and elsewhere. Jasmine, thank you for your time. Thanks for coming on the show. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Same here. Author William K. Bond is with me now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. He has an adventurous new book on shelves now called 
One Face in a Million, Book One, Mu Shanganiana. Thank you for talking with me tonight, William. It's a pleasure. Now, could you tell us about your book? Well, I'll try to make it simple. It's a biography of a fictitious person, and it takes place over a span of about 40 years. And it begins with my protagonist being born and raised in Africa on a mission station where her mother is a a widow. And uh, she knows that her future really does not lie in Africa, and she knows she's going to go eventually to America. And so when she starts off, that's when the story really gets going. And it takes place over a long period of time, as I said. And uh, she faces a lot of trouble and a lot of good things in her life. Many of her dreams come true. And she has to uh, fight uh, for some things that she wants in her life to occur. And she's always trying to figure out what her purpose in life is. How did the idea for this book come about? I visited Africa in uh, 1967, and my wife had uh, been raised over there by missionary parents, and so that gave me an idea for what I could do with a book someday. The book, of course, is not at all about her, but the setting and the idea for a book became uh, known to me when when I visited that area in those years. And... uh, It was 20 or 30 years after that that I actually began to write the book. I understand this is going to be a series. Do you know how many books are going to go into it? Uh, There are five books. The books are written, and the first book is the one which has presently been published. I hope that the rest can be published as well. Is this the first time you've been published? Yes, it is. I haven't any other books that have been published. I did write a family history thing, but I decided that probably it didn't have much mass appeal. So my children and grandchildren may read it someday, but uh, this is the only one. And because I am where I am in my stage of life, uh, I don't think there will be any more uh, books that I will write. But this is a a mini-series, as you might say, and there's five books that have been completed. It sounds like you're proud of the legacy you're leaving. How does it feel for you to have a published work out there on shelves for people to buy? I'm really very excited and, and proud. I, it's been kind of a lifelong uh, goal to do something like this, and I worked at it from time to time, and oftentimes I didn't think it would get finished because I couldn't work at it full-time for quite a while. I was working in this after school or during free time. I was a school teacher at the time, and I didn't have a lot of extra time to do it, but I finally got it done after uh, about 35 years of working at it. What advice would you give to aspiring authors that want to write a book as well? Well, if you have an idea, I think you'd want to uh, get started with it and uh, be open to making changes. I've had to, uh, you know, come back and make changes, delete things sometimes, but just kind of keep at it. And uh, I thought my story was unique, and so therefore I continued with it because I'm not aware of any other story that's at all like this, the setting in Africa and the things that she goes through. And there's a lot of traveling in the book. She, uh, her career eventually takes her to many places and, of course, with family vacations. And my wife and I had actually been to about 80 countries or so, 
And so I was able to describe those areas in the book with quite a lot of accurate detail because I had that opportunity for travel with my wife. Well, I encourage readers to check this out. It's called One Face in a Million, Book One, Mu Shanganiana by William K. Bond, published by Fulton Books. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and wherever else you get your reading material. William, thank you for your time tonight. It was a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you very much for the call, and I hope that any reader will enjoy it. There's always hope for fulfilling your life's purpose, and Najia Mahdi's new book, Get There, provides encouragement. I'd like to welcome Najia to the show right now. Najia, thank you for chatting with me tonight. Thank you, Corey. It's a pleasure to be here. So congratulations on the new book getting published, Get There. Can you tell us about it? It's a, uh, I call it a powerful little book. It's an inspiration to all. Um, it's about returning back to your essence, to God, to where we came from. So that's the gist of the book. And letting everyone know that no matter what you've done, whether it be good, bad, or indifferent, no matter what you've said, whether you agree to it being negative or someone else has, you can still return to God. That's the intent of the book. How did the idea for it come about? I ended up starting with the um, our free writers workshop. And in doing that workshop, every night that I finished the workshop, I kept saying, God, what is it you want me to write? What is it you want me to write? And all I heard was, everyone has to return to me. And I, I just went from there. I, you know, every night that I wrote, it just seems like I was just getting more and more information on we all get to return to God. We all get to return back where we came from. Is this the first book you've had published? Yes, it is. It's my first book. Well, congratulations again. That's a huge accomplishment. How does that feel? It's amazing. I, I think for the last year or two, I just had a desire to write but I didn't know what to write. And so to finally write and to get it published and to know that I was used as a vehicle to put those words on paper, I, I'm speechless. I'm absolutely speechless. I think it's important what you brought up about how this book came about. It's that you knew you wanted to write, but you didn't necessarily know what to write about. And you didn't discover that until you just started writing and started discovering things that way. Absolutely. And I, I think it's, it was key for me because over the last couple of years, I, it started with writing um, like a journal and I called it Love Letters to God. And I mean, literally, it was just a desire to write, to write, to write. But I just didn't know what it looked like, what the format, what the content. And I, I was clueless. But like you said, I just opened myself to be used to just write. And when I finally started writing, I was like, Oh, is this what I'm writing about? <laughs> <laughs> so have you discovered more? Are you going to write more books, do you think? Yeah, it's in me to write more. It's definitely in me to write more because I think I've kind of mentioned it and maybe you can hear it. It's like the spirit in me, the, the God in me, and not to sound crazy or anything, but it's like that higher self in me just has so much to say. And in it, not only do I feel like I'm saying it, for others, I'm saying it for myself, like I'm getting that clarity myself. So it's just an awesome space to be in, to be able to write, knowing that that's the type of energy and that's the intention and that's what's moving inside me. If an aspiring author came to you and asked for advice, what would you tell them? Right. 
Like, get out of your way, get out of your head, and just write. Because what you'll find and probably figure out once they start writing is, oh, I didn't know that was something that was on my mind or something I had to share or something that, whatever it is, right, whatever the outcome or the intended. It's almost like you don't know it's there until you start writing. And I think we do ourselves a disservice when we keep that stuff bottled inside of us. So I say write. It's right. You see where it leads us. And thank you for using your creativity and putting it out there to help other people. This is Get There by Najia Mahdi, published by Fulton Books. You can find this on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere. Well, Najia, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you so much, Corey, for having me. You have a good evening. An L.A. cop from the jungles of Vietnam to the streets of Hollywood is the new book by John Bowermaster that takes readers on an amazing ride. John is here chatting with me right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. John, welcome. Thank you for joining me tonight. Thanks for being here. This sounds like an amazing ride. This book is based on your experiences, correct? Yes, it is. Wow, wow. Can you tell us about it? Basically, it's over the period of uh, 68, 69, when I was with the 25th Infantry Division Wolfhounds in Vietnam through my first 10 years on the LAPD. It's basically the experiences that I went through and uh, things that we did. And what gave you the idea or the motivation to write this? Well, uh, over the years, people have asked me uh, multiple times, what it was like to be in Vietnam and what it was like to be a street on L.A. And uh, I'd give them stories, and they seemed completely amazed at what I was telling them. So that prompted me to finally sit down and write the book. Is there an overarching message that you're sending to readers through this? Your experiences were diverse, they were intense, but what would you say is the overarching message you're sending out? Well, I'm trying to just, uh, basically give the reader like they were a ride-along or they were there at the time the experience and know what goes through the, the minds of the cops and the soldiers in Vietnam and what they went through so they can kind of get a first uh, through the eyes of the soldiers and the cops to see what happened and what it was all about. Have you written before or had anything published before? No, this is the first book I've written. Well, congratulations on getting it published and getting it out there for people. What kind of a feeling does that give you? Well, I guess I'm, I'm glad to be able to get the book out and uh, let people read and see what the soldiers in Vietnam and what the cops in L.A. experience in their jobs. Kind of get, like, again, to give them a, a firsthand experience like they were ride-alongs and see what uh, was going on. About how long were you working on the book? From the beginning to the end, from first draft to the rewrites, it took about two years to write it. What was the most challenging thing along the way? Was it difficult to write? Was the publishing process stressful? No, it, uh, I just, on the department, had a, a lot of field officer notebooks, so I had a lot of information to draw from. And uh, I've been in contact with my uh, partners and people in Vietnam over the years. We have reunions every year, so I've uh, been in contact with them yearly. So I just drew from information that I knew and had and put the story together for the people to read. If an aspiring author came to you and asked for advice, what would you tell them? I'd tell them uh, to write the book, and then uh, when they think it's finished, rewrite it and rewrite it again and do it again until they get it right. Because nothing in life uh, that's worth anything is uh, easy. It all takes work and perseverance. Just uh, stay with it. Could you give our listeners just a taste for maybe one of the experiences that you had that you relate in the book that particularly sticks out? 
the main experience would be uh, when I was in Vietnam during the Firebase Diamond ground attack. We we did we built uh, in the course of February through April of 1969 three firebases, Diamond One, Two, and Three, along the Cambodian border. Diamond Three happened on April 15, 1969, and uh, the Alpha and Delta companies uh, manned the Firebase Diamond Three. And about uh, one o'clock in the morning, we were attacked by a, a two battalion of uh, NVA soldiers, which is uh, about 2,000 men. Uh, the NVA attacked the fire base, and the fight went from about 1 in the morning until 6 in the morning, continuous fighting. And there was 400 men involved in uh, the fire base, and like I say, 2,000 that attacked us. And at the end of the fight, there was 435 body count from the NVA when we lost uh, 15 men in, in the fire base. Uh, it was intense, and uh, Soldiers, the guys talk about that fight uh, still 50 years after the fact. So that was probably the most uh, intense part of the book as far as uh, I'm concerned. This is An L.A. Cop, From the Jungles of Vietnam to the Streets of Hollywood by John Bowermaster, published by Fulton Books. You can find this on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play. Well, John, first of all, I just want to thank you for your service, both as a soldier and as an officer. Uh, You have my gratitude, and I'm sure so many of our listeners' gratitude for that. And thank you for joining me tonight on the show. Thank you for talking to me. Author Terry A. Maurer tells the true story of farm life in decades past in his new book, Dirt Farmer's Son, A True Story, 1942-2020. to Terry is joining me now right here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Terry, thank you for joining me tonight. You're welcome. Happy to do it. Can you tell us about Dirt Farmer's Son? Well, I would say that uh, Dirt Farmer's Son started in 1942, or the book started in 1942 in Grayling, Michigan. I tell stories going forward to uh, 2020, where I now live in St. Helena, California. In the course of the book, I have chapters on my time in military school, Hall of the Divine Child in Monroe, Michigan, a seminary in Holy Trinity, Alabama. And then before I started my own businesses, uh, my time at Climax Molybdenum Research Company, a federal mogul, and then Lubrizol Corporation, one of Warren Buffett's acquisitions now. And then I started my own company called uh, Mauer Shoemaker. And I had that for nearly 20 years and sold it to Mosin Beer. And then I started a bottled water business called Avita. And uh, interwoven with all that, those chapters, there are 14 chapters to the books. I uh, tell about the current events going on during the during that time and opinions on my uh, political views. Well, sounds like you have a lot to tell. Uh, about how long were you working on this? Well, I started it in 2010, so the book it took me 10 years to complete it, and then when I got in touch with Fulton Books. I refined it and uh, put it into the shape that it is now, Dirt Farmer's Son. So what gave you the idea or the motivation to take all these experiences and stories you have from over the decades and then write them and publish them for the world? After I sold my chemical business and then in 2008 kind of put a damper on my bottled water business, 
my daughter said, my daughter, Lori Shelton, said that maybe I would feel better about all of these things if I wrote about them. And so I did start to write in 2010. I think I really had the book finished in 2016. But then when I uh, came in touch with Fulton Books, I added another chapter called Napa Valley, which is where I live now. My daughter had promoted me to be her marketing manager for Cami Wines. And so I thought, well, I add a 14th chapter to the book and uh, put it in good shape with uh, Fulton Books so that we could publish it. How does it feel knowing that your work is out there on shelves? Well, I'm happy to share my stories with uh, people. It's it's written for uh, those who witnessed what happened during those times and for those who want to know what happened. And it's also a reference for my grandchildren, I think. I give them some advice. There's a page on the book 333 where I reference the 10 secrets for success according to Investors Business Daily. I think those are good things for people to follow as they go through life. What advice would you give now to aspiring authors? When I started to write my book, I uh, divided it up into uh, phases of my life. And I looked at other books to see how long they were and how many chapters there were in the book and how, how long the chapters were. So I think it's important to make an outline before you start writing. But then, you know, you need to write. The book is Dirt Farmer's Son, A True Story, 1942 to 2020, by Terry A. Maurer, published by Fulton Books. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and Google Play, and everywhere else where you find your books. Well, Terry, it was great chatting with you tonight. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yes, I'm happy to do it, and uh, good luck with the promotion. The workplace is often a tough environment for Christians, and Marie Hebert offers support for believers in her book, The Job from Hell, on the job survival aids for Christians. Marie is joining me right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Marie, thank you for chatting with me tonight. Thank you for having me. So, I'm interested in learning about The Job from Hell. Can you tell me about it? Well, yes, it actually came out of my own experience, struggling to be a holy person on the one hand, but working every day, day in and day out in a very unholy environment around people who didn't share my beliefs or or even my faith in God. And when you are isolated from other Christians or a faith support group for the majority of your day, it puts a lot of pressure and stress on you. So this book actually came out of my crying and just throwing myself at God's feet, asking for help, how to survive, and, and at the end of the day, still feel like I was a Christian witness. About how long were you working on this? Uh, the book took me, well, it took me about three years to pull together, uh, and mostly because I kept second-guessing myself, wondering if God really wanted me to do this or if I was just imagining it. But the actual writing of the book took me about two years. Are you a new writer, or have you written things before? No, sir. This is my, uh, my very first uh, publication. Oh, congratulations. How's it feel to have your book out there on shelves for the world? Well, I, I got to tell you, it's, it's very exciting and fulfilling because I'm one of the very few people, I think, in the world who can honestly say that I have done what God has asked me to do with my life. 
And what advice would you give to people who are thinking about writing a book, they want to write a book? Do you have advice for aspiring authors? Well, anyone led by the Holy Spirit, and I believe that that drive in us does come from the Holy Spirit, especially if it's a godly work. If you follow that inclination and that urge, then the Holy Spirit who put it there, you'll just fly through the process on His wings. You'll be amazed at how easily, once you take that first step, how easily things just unfold for you. I can tell you have a lot of wisdom. Looking down the road, are you thinking about working on more books? Yes. There's actually a a book right now that I'm working on. This one deals more directly with uh, spiritual warfare, uh, but I'm still, like I said, in the in the um, process of, of putting that one together. What kinds of people do you think would get the most out of the job from hell? Well, the book was actually written for the average Christian who goes to work eight, nine hours a day and is isolated from a supportive community. On the workplace, that's rarely where you find people who share your goal of holiness. When you don't have that support group, when you can't take time out to pray with someone or maybe discern on the the spur of the moment how to react to a situation, the job from hell gives people a focus, a daily focus. The book is broken up into daily thoughts or projects to work on mentally. And so it gives the the person out there in the workplace something to uh, aim for, to stay focused on, rather than letting getting your caustic surroundings get to you. Well, if you're a believer and you need encouragement and resources and support, then this sounds like a great book for you. It's The Job from Hell, On-the-Job Survival Aids for Christians by Marie Hebert, published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and everywhere else you get your reading material. Marie, it was a pleasure speaking with you tonight. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Corey. Author Mike Paps Nicholson looks at life as a baseball field in his new book, Making Life a Home Run. Mike is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Mike, thank you for joining me tonight. You're quite welcome. Can you tell us about Making Life a Home Run? Yes, I sure can. Uh, I started out thinking about this, comparing life to a baseball field, birth being at home plate, and when you reach each base, that equates to 20 years of your life. So if you make a home run, that means you've achieved 80 years of life. Every year after that is scoring a run. And what I found is between each of those segments of your life, there's issues you can run into. Okay. So that's kind of what the book is about. It's more or less a guideline than anything to assist people. How did the idea to write this come about? Well, here's what happened last summer. My wife and I went to the Field of Dreams movie site in Iowa. And that's something I always really wanted to see, but it was so far out of the way, we never made the trip. But we did last summer, and I really enjoyed it. We came back, we watched the movie again, Field of Dreams. And then the same time, I started thinking about our grandson that was a senior in high school and some of the issues we had guided him through over the years. And so I thought, Gee, Mane, you know, he, he's going to run into these issues throughout his life. So it kind of clicked between the baseball field and the segments of life and what a teenager, for instance, would face throughout that 80 years of life. So what I did is I drew a sketch of a baseball field and I put those issues in between each base. I call them clouds that you're going to face. It may be bullying. It may be unprotected sex. 
you got to be thinking about getting a job for the 401k. And then you're going to get into things like financial stress in between first base and second base, marital stress, and so forth around. So I took that diagram and I framed it and I wrapped it up and give it to him for a Christmas present. And I said, now hang this on your wall, because <laughs> <laughs> as you mature, you're going to face these issues that will be ahead of you. And then when I sat back after doing that after Christmas, I thought this may be a message that a lot of parents and grandparents could use to help them guide people that's in their life. So that's kind of where the idea came from. About how long were you working on it? Well, it took me about, I'd say about a month or so just to think through all the issues that you face. Even at my age now at 72, you know, like uh, you can get lonely or your children can think that you really don't know anything. (laughs) (laughs) Or you may lose a spouse and you become lonely. So when I'm sitting there thinking about through those things, it took about a month to really jot down those issues that you face throughout life. And then it probably took me another month or so to put the draft together. So I'd done some illustrations myself and I just wrote in cursive, which I thought may be a problem this day and age people reading it, right? So uh, that's kind of what it took about two, two and a half months. Yeah. Is this the first book you've written? Yeah, it's the first one. I always wanted to write a book about something, but yeah, I wanted it to be something of value. I really didn't want it to be a fiction novel. I wanted it to be something that would maybe help somebody somewhere. That was my main goal. Do you have any advice for authors that want to write their first book? Yeah, yeah, I sure do. I, I would say if you have that idea or that life experience, and I've had a lot of people just since I've done this say, man, I always wanted to write a book. And I just simply tell them to do it. You can buy a draft book for 2 or $3. Huh? And then just start putting your ideas down, you know? So if you want to be an author, don't hesitate. Just start putting it down. You know, publishing companies, the one that I'm dealing with, Fulton Books, is a great company to support that effort. And I encourage listeners to check Making Life a Home Run out. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and wherever else you get your reading material. And it's published by Fulton Books. Well, Mike, thank you so much. Of course, again, the author is Mike Paps Nicholson. It was great chatting with you tonight. Thanks so much for joining me. You too. And the nickname Paps come from my grandchildren, of course. And have a great day. Author Katherine Johnson teaches children inspiring lessons in her new book, Friends Are Free. Katherine is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Katherine, thank you for joining me tonight. Well, it's a pleasure. Can you tell us all about Friends Are Free? Friends Are Free is a children's book. And it teaches children how to get along with each other, the importance of friendships, the importance of not being overzealous or bragging about themselves. It teaches them things that are important in life that doesn't cost anything materially. How did the idea to write this come about? I am a former school teacher, and I saw a lot of negative behavior in children that could have been improved. You know, as time went on, I said, well, I think I'll just write a book and maybe it'll help these children to understand better how to get along with others. That was a really big problem in the high-risk schools where I was teaching. 
So is this a book you aimed at younger children or a little bit older? About what age range do you think? Fourth grade through seventh. What was the process of writing this like? Was it cumbersome and about how long did it take? No, it wasn't cumbersome at all because I guess I have a natural gift of being able to write that I probably inherited from my uh, maternal grandmother. And I've been writing since the sixth grade, so it kind of comes natural. It's a gift, I guess. What does it feel like to be a published author with your thoughts and your message out there on shelves for the world? It's very fulfilling. Uh, As far as the world is concerned, they can get something positive from the books, and they can also become inspired to be better people. So if an aspiring author came to you, they wanted to write a children's book and get it published, do you have any advice? My advice was to do a little research and also to have experience with children of many backgrounds and many ages and watch their behavior and see what you can gather on a positive side in regards to writing a book about children. So it looks like you've been pretty prolific over your writing career here. Is there more in store? I think I may have one more in me. I'm in the process of working on a lifestyle book now. It's more about things that happen in people's lives. I should probably be through with it by the first of next year. I've been kind of lazy, though. I got a little sick, so now I'm recovering, and I guess I'll get back into it. I never have writer's block, so it's no problem. My thoughts just come. Great imagination. (laughs) Writing this book and publishing the book, How is that different than the others you've published? This one involves illustrations. It's targeted at children. That's the difference. The illustrations are probably the hardest thing to acquire because they have to be very vivid. So it can, you know, hold the imagination and the reading ability of, of a child to keep going through the book, finish it to the end. I would say that's probably the hardest thing. Well, the book is Friends Are Free by Katherine Johnson, published by Fulton Books. You can find this on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere. Catherine, thank you for sitting down and chatting tonight. It was a pleasure speaking with you. It was a pleasure speaking with you as well. A passion for basketball led to an extraordinary life story told in Marvin Williams' new book, Secondary Break, an NBA Dad's Story. I'm talking with Marvin right here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Marvin, thank you for talking tonight. Thank you guys so much for having me. Absolutely. Can you tell us about your book? The book is about my life journey. It takes. It starts back when I was a young kid living in New York City. And then it talks about how I feel um, one of my friends taught me the game of basketball and how I fell in love with the game of basketball and the, journey, the life journey it took me on. So what inspired you to relive all these memories, write them down, and then get it published? Um, I had a, um, a friend of mine. He's a, he was a bishop. He, he's, a, he's recently deceased. He's been on me about three years about doing a book, and I, I kept telling him, no, no, no. But he, you know, he knew my life story. And he said, man, you got a book. So I finally decided I'd just sit down and, and, and start writing. Have you written a book before or been published? No, I haven't. This is my first time. Well, congratulations on your first one out there on shelves. Thank you. It's it's exciting. I'm very happy. It's kind of like it's kind of like having a, a newborn baby. You know it's you know you 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 know it's coming, but you, you don't you don't believe it until you physically hold it in your hand. So when I got the book, I knew I did all the work. But when I got the book and I physically saw it, I, I then I was so excited. 
about how long were you working on it? Off and on, I think the pandemic really helped me get, you know, stay focused. Uh, off and on, I would do it for about an hour a day for about six months. And then when the pandemic hit and I couldn't go nowhere, so I really I really honed in on it and said, I'm a, I'm, I'm a completed. And that's what, so it maybe took me about a year. When it came to revising, editing, going through the whole publishing process, did you find that challenging? No, I thought it was really good. I, I, I thank God that I pick a good, a good company. Fulton Books is very unique and wonderful. Um, they're very patient and they, they work through everything with me and they wanted to make sure that I was pleased with the outcome. So I'm really grateful to Fulton Books for uh, helping me through that process. So now that you're a veteran published writer, would you have any words of advice for people that want to do the same thing and get their book out there? Yeah, I I, I want to say that everybody's got a book in them, I believe. Everybody's got a unique story. And uh, I think if you really make up your mind, you want to write a book, believe in yourself and uh, put it on paper one hour a day and, and see where it takes you. Now, when you were sitting down and writing this, did you ever hit a writer's block kind of thing? And then how did you get through it? Yeah, I did. I had a couple of days where I just, I guess the process for me wasn't more so about getting it. You know how some people are perfectionists trying to get it right down the right way the first time. I just wanted to put words on paper and then figure it out. But there was periods where I just hit the hit the roadblock and I'd take a couple of days off and then go back at it. But the most important thing, I you know, just to get started, just put it on paper. Don't worry about correct spelling or none of that. And then, you know, step away from it and then come back and take a look at it. Are you considering maybe writing another book? Yeah, you know, I, um, the people that read the book said I should, I, um, you know, it's, it's more story to it. So I think I probably will. Some people have been talking to me about, you know, I left them hanging in the book, so I said I might just add the rest of the chapter, um, add some more stuff to the book. Great message. Thank you for putting it out there for people. This is Secondary Break, an NBA dad story by Marvin Williams, published by Fulton Books. You can get this on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and wherever else you shop for your books. Marvin, thank you for your time today. It was great chatting with you. Hey, thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Author Joyce Zeldonis explores the extent of love in her new novel, Those Black Roses. Joyce is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Joyce, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you for having me. Could you tell me all about Those Black Roses? Those Black Roses is about passion, about romance. It's about Elizabeth Ning Simon. It's about Nicole getting into into something so deep that she's going to destroy her life and it's going to change her life. What inspired you to write this? I started writing when I was about 18 and I decided just to do it when I'm 52. Is this the first book you've written? Yes, sir. Oh, wow. How's it feel now to have your first one out there on shelves for the whole world? Oh, it feels awesome. So how was the writing process for you? About how long were you working on it? I started it last year in 2019, and I started in October, and I decided in January that it was finished, so I sent it off. My nephew helped me, actually, to send it off to somebody. So now that you've been through everything and you've published a book, what advice would you offer to aspiring authors? Just do it. If you have a dream, do it. Just go for it and write that novel. Now, while you were working on this, did you ever experience writer's block? And if you did, how did you work through that? Oh, yes. Chapter six, I had to calm myself and listen to some music and then 
and it all came to me. Now, looking forward, are you thinking about writing more? Oh, yes, sir. So about what age group would you think this is aimed for? Would this be for like a teens and up or more of an adult thing? It's adult. It's very adult book. So are you a fan of this, the romance genre? Yes, I am. Mm, how much reading do you normally do? Actually, when I started writing, I stopped reading <laughs> because I, I inspire myself. And sometimes if I get into my books, that's it. But I usually like to read historical romance novels. If there is one person that you could name who has most inspired you in this whole process, uh, who would that be? My mother. Her name is Joyce Steffi. She told me I could do anything if I wanted to, if I put my mind down to it. And you've proven that that is true, and we're looking forward to seeing more from you. This book is Those Black Roses by Joyce Zeldonis, published by Fulton Books. You can find this on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and elsewhere. Joyce, thank you for joining me tonight. It was great chatting with you. Thank you. It was nice chatting with you also. Alchemies of the Heart is the new novel by David Dorian, available everywhere books are sold. David is here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. David, thank you for talking tonight. It's a pleasure being here. So Alchemies of the Heart sounds like quite a tale. Can you tell me about it? Well, it's interesting because alchemy was a pseudoscience developed in the Middle Ages, which involved the transformation of base material into gold. It became a great allegory and metaphor for the transformation of the soul. Carl Jung was obsessed with the idea of alchemy. So what alchemy means really are the transformations of the spirit. And love is a substance that is the philosophical stone which was used by the alchemist. So the title is Alchemies, not Alchemy, which means basically the transformations of the soul through love. Love is the element that achieves that kind of metamorphosis. What is the overarching narrative of your book? Well, it is really basically the story of a serial killer, except in this case, it is a woman. Usually most novels of serial killers, thrillers, are where men are the protagonists and the malefactors. This, this is a woman who comes in this country from China, and because of the horrendous treatment she experienced in her home country, comes with a lot of misandry, which means hatred of men. And she's spectacular, she's charismatic, she's seductive, until she meets one man. And she wants to kill him, but what stops her is that she also loves him. So instead of killing him, she puts him in a state of spiritual animation. In other words, very much like that wasp that injects a certain poison on spiders to keep them inert and alive while they lay eggs on them. She sedates him with a very powerful herb, a plant called datura, and she keeps him in that state between life and death until she decides what to do with him. But in fact, her love for him is greater than her wish to kill, and which, by the way, is transformative. Uh, so it is really the journey of a soul who tries to exact revenge on what men have done to her. Have you been published before this? 
Well, I have written all my life that uh, I, this is my first attempt to deliver my embryos in other words, to the world. This one, I felt, was uh, has reached that level of completion where it could be re released into the world. So it is really my first, yes. Congratulations. Thank you very much. That's a great metaphor for the writer being the parent and the books, your children. Uh, I love that. And I also like the perspective of the woman serial killer. Was that a conscious effort to do something a little bit outside of the norm, or was there a specific inspiration for that? It was inspired by, there's a, a, a very large poetry in Europe. Uh, you probably do remember there's a poem by uh, Keats called La Belle Dame Sans Merci. There was in the 19th century among the European romantics uh, this myth of the, the, the mermaid that kills the siren the Melusine, the, who, by the way, happens to be the, the logo of Starbucks, by, which is a very strange thing, because Melusine, oh, wow. can you imagine, the, the, uh, the logo of Starbucks is a two-tailed mermaid. You can see it in that logo. Her name was Melusine. She's a very important part of the legend of Europe, and she devoured men. So I find it very interesting that the brand of coffee is flaunting that, but nobody knows about this. The legend of the, the, the Lamia, it was called the Lamia, which is like a she-wolf, but a woman of extraordinary beauty who seduces men and who devours them. It's a myth that is very powerful, and I wanted to reenact it and reemerge it through a novel. I certainly admire your creativity and your sources of inspiration, where you're drawing your ideas from. That's very fascinating. I commend you for that. This is Alchemies of the Heart by David Dorian, published by Fulton Books. You can find this on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and wherever else you find your books. David, it was great chatting with you tonight. Thank you so much for being here. I'm very grateful for having me. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.